Access is the Young Adults Ministry of Resurrection Life Church. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kareens. Who's excited to be here to listen to the, tonight's message? It's going to be amazing. Um, for those of you who don't know, we're in the middle of uh, Ephesians. Uh, we're going through a study of this book. It's six chapters, and here's where we're at. We are literally coming out of halftime. So last week was the end of basically the first half, okay? And we're going into the second half. So we're in chapter four now. It's a six-chapter six book. We're in chapter four. And the first three chapters were all about uh, basically who we are in Christ, what we have in Christ, the riches that we have because of what Christ did for us. It's kind of like a 30,000-foot view of who we are, what we have. Some amazing, outlandish, outstanding, ridiculously big uh, theological concepts. And then there's a huge transition in chapters 4, 5, and 6. Now, I've been telling you that this, this book is really, if you were to boil it down to one thing, it's really a blueprint for spiritual maturity. And so in chapter 4... What we're going to be going through tonight, and this is the transition, he's going to now come, like basically come down to our level and say, this is how we live as Christians and walk out this Christian life uh, after Jesus Christ. If you want to become a little bit more like Jesus Christ in this lifetime, go ahead and raise your hand real quick. Because four, five, and six, the next three weeks are going to be amazing because he's going to give us really practical, practical truths that we're going to be able to take and put into practice immediately. So with all that said, Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 17 and end in verse 24. It says this, now I say this, this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Gee, Paul, thanks for starting out so positive, right? Verse 19, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity, but that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness, somebody say amen. Amen. Let me pray. Because I need help. Jesus, help me tonight. God, thank you for this word. I just pray that it touches every single person in this room, God, on some level. God, you know exactly where they are. I don't. But I trust in you. I trust in your word. And I know that your word changes things. So change some things in us tonight, God. We all need to be more like you. We all want to look more like you. We all want to act more like you. So deal with us tonight. Stretch us. Challenge us. Encourage us. Strengthen us tonight through this word. We all together shouted. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to start by transition here by telling a story. And, and this story that I'm going to tell you I'm not proud of. Um, but I, I really felt like I... I I should share it, so I'm going to share it. Uh, and it's going to, um, I don't know, I guess I'm just going to be vulnerable and share it. This is, this is a, a story from my college days uh, before I gave my life to the Lord. I didn't give my life to the Lord until I was 27, back in 2009. So you do the math, you know how old I am. I talked about it all week, last week. Um, so here's what happened. I believe it was, um, it was 2001. I was a junior in college, and, and I've mentioned to many of you that know, but some of you don't. I was playing football at Grand Valley State University. I played under the head coach, Brian Kelly, who's now the head coach at the University of Notre Dame. So my junior year, what we would do, and this was kind of a tradition, and what I'm going to tell you again, just please make a note here, I'm not proud of this, okay? I'm not proud of this, but I'm going to tell you a story because it's going to help us out with this text, I believe. Junior year, we're up at Michigan Tech, all the way up in the UP, Houghton, Michigan. And it's a 10-hour bus trip. See, when you're playing Division II football, you don't, you don't fly on planes. You know what I'm saying? 
Like there's a, the budget's a little bit lower than Division One, so you got to ride on a bus, and it is a brutal bus ride. And then what you have to do, you know, after the game, you get on a bus. They feed you like church's chicken or something like that, and then you got to get on a, you know, give me fried chicken after I play a football game. I'm not like that's what they give you. This okay. Anyway, so get on a bus, and you literally right after the game, all bruised up, all beat up, have to get on a bus and travel ten hours back home. It's a brutal ride, and you usually got to sit with somebody else, you know, so you're just in your seat, and you're all dehydrated as it is, and, and so um, we got back from this particular trip early, you know, Sunday morning or whatever it was, go back to our, uh, wherever it was, we were staying in the dorms of the apartments, Monday comes around, I get a, a note that Coach Kelly wants to see me in his office, right, so, because that's how you used to like get a hold of people. You sent notes, you know. And and so I got this note. Coach Kelly wants to see you in his office. And so I came into his office. I sat down, and he's sitting there. And you guys know, and I'm sure everybody's seen if you've watched any sporting event whatsoever. Uh, you've seen those green Gatorade bottles, those green like squirt water water bottles, right? That they use during the games. You know, the guys come off, and then the training staff comes over, and they'll they'll be squirting it in their mouths. So he had one sitting there opened, and he goes, sit down. I sit down, and he's looking at me, and he says, so why don't you, you, you want to tell me, like, what happened on the way back from the trip? And I said, what do you mean? And I kind of had an idea of what he was talking about because what we would do, for those of us who were 21, we would take liquor with us on the bus. And on the bus ride back, we would pour the liquor in the Gatorade bottles and then we would mix it with something or, you know, whatever to um, just have some drinks on, on the way back home. And a few guys would get out of hand and, you know, some guys wouldn't, uh, which was, it was, I look back now, it's like the dumbest thing you could possibly do because it dehydrates you worse anyway and then you end up cramping up. I mean, it's a mess, right? <laughs> and, and, but we did this, okay? And uh, there were multiple guys doing it and, and, you know, I was the leader of the team, so he calls me in, and, and, and he says, you want to tell me what, what, what you did on the bus? And I said, what, what, what are you talking about, coach, playing stupid? I don't know what you're talking about, man. He says, you know, the training staff opened these up when they got back, and they reeked of alcohol. And I said, oh, okay. Anything else, coach? <laughs> Anything else you want to tell me? You know, he's like, were you a part of this? And I said, yeah, I was. And uh, he looks at me and he says, so do you not think that there's anything wrong with this? And I said, well, you know, I'm 21. You know, if I, I guess if I want to have a few drinks, I can, you know, I'll have a few drinks. And it usually went beyond just having a few drinks, you know, to be honest. And, and, and so I said, yeah, I'm 21 and so are the other guys. It's like, yeah, so I don't really see anything wrong with it. And he said, do you know that you are the leader of this team, son? I said, yes, sir, I do. And he says, listen to me. I want you to become the leader that I see in you. And in order for you to do that, you can't be doing this stuff anymore. You've got to let that stuff go so that you can, your influence will influence the rest of the team. And you're going to show those younger guys who are freshmen who all look up to you. You're going to show them a different way. See, when I was a freshman, that's exactly what the seniors you know, and juniors were doing. And then they would give it to the younger guys. And honestly, we were, I was you know, basically just carrying on the tradition, right? Just carrying it on and, and being an idiot. And, and he says, son, listen to me. You're better than that. You're the leader of this team, and I need you to stand up. And I need you to be the leader that God is calling you to be. He didn't say God, though, right? But that's the way I took it was, you need to be the leader that I see in you. This is my head coach saying it. Now listen to me. He says, do you understand? I said, yes, sir. I understand. All right, get up, get out of here. I left the office. But now I leave the office and my head coach is seeing something in me. And, and this is like one of those life-defining moments that should have been a defining life moment for me. And I got up there, and now, after my head coach says this to me, I'm faced with a choice. I can go one of two paths. I can step into this, this man and this leader that my coach is calling me to be, or 
I can just continue to do the same old, same old and end up in a place that I don't want to be in. You guys with me? I had a choice in the matter. Now, what I believe Paul is saying in the scripture that I just read is, is essentially at the core of it is exactly what Coach Kelly said to me in the office that day, except he breaks it down into some more eloquent language that we need to break down tonight. So let's break it down together. Verse 17, let's go back to the very first verse I read. It says this, now this I say and testify in the Lord, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. What does that mean? He's saying that Friends, he's talking to people who are following Jesus Christ. He's talking to people just like you and me that have already made the decision, yep, I'm gonna follow Jesus, yep, I believe in Jesus and I wanna become more like him. He's writing this to them, so obviously something's going on that he's trying to address. So here's what he's saying. Stop talking, walking, looking like, and acting like the old you. Everybody around you, why are you doing that? No, 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 it's okay for you to become more like Jesus, the one who sets you free. It's okay for you to step out and step into that person and let go of the old way of doing things. And then he goes on and he says it like this. He says, in the futility of their minds. Now listen to me, before we had a relationship with God, and this was the case with me, before I had a relationship with God, I walked in the futility of my minds. What does that mean? It literally means that I walked aimlessly and without a purpose because our purpose is always found in God. Come on, somebody. Our purpose is found in God. So futility, actually, futility of their minds, that phrase literally means that we, before Christ, were walking around aimlessly and without purpose, even though we didn't know it. Many of us, before we knew Jesus Christ, Felt like we had it all figured out. Come on, somebody. I thought I had it all figured out when I was sitting in that room with Coach Kelly that day. I had it all figured out when I was your age. You know, the interesting thing is that the older and older I get, the less and the less I feel like I have figured out. It's going to be the same for you. I can't wait for you to get there. It's, it's amazing because it really humbles you. Now, here's the thing that I do know, you know, in regards to purpose and destiny, and I know something about every person in this room, and it's this. Every single one of us in this room tonight desires to have purpose and desires to fulfill our destiny. Am I speaking truth? This is point number one for the night. We find our purpose in God. You heard me say it. We find our purpose in God. Colossians 1, 16 says this. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. Everything. Everything above and below. That's the angels. That's you and me. You know what's interesting? I think these seats are even fulfilling a purpose tonight. You guys get to sit comfortably so that you can hear the word of God preach. It's fulfilling a purpose. Everything gets and finds its purpose in God. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 1. It says this. This is why God selected and ordained us to be his own inheritance through our union with Christ. Before we were even born, he gave us our destiny. Jesus gave us our destiny before we were even born that we would fulfill the plan of God. The plan of God, not our plans, the plan of God who always accomplishes every purpose and plan in his heart. And the reality is, is that if we don't know God, if we don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we have no idea what our true plan and purpose is in this lifetime. It's only through God that we get to know that. And again, he's talking to a group of people who already have a relationship with Jesus, and he's saying, I don't want you to walk like you used to in the futility of your minds. God has a different plan and a different purpose for you. Walk in it. So why is it so important for us who are following Jesus to let go of the way that we used to do stuff and embrace the new way of doing things? Break it down for us, Paul. We're gonna keep going. Verse 18 says this. For those people who act like they used to, Christ followers who act like they used to, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. He's saying if you live that way, your understanding is gonna become 
so darkened, you and I are going to become spiritually blind to everything that God has available to us. I don't know about you, but that scares me. Does it not? You know, it's interesting to me, you know, one of the things that scares me the most in this life, in my journey with God, is, is not being able to see from God's vantage point. Only being able to see certain things that are right in front of me. And you know, I was thinking about this, and it's interesting because our culture, you guys see it, our culture is becoming more and more, uh, you know, think, you know, I, I, I hear things like this said to, to people that, don't know Christ, that see me following Jesus and they have questions. And it's almost like, and, it, and this happens, I believe, in America probably more than anywhere else, maybe Europe as well. But they say things like, you know, I, I know the message of the Bible and the message of church is Jesus saves, right? That's one of the messages. I mean, we were just singing about it. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. And, and, and I think a lot of people actually believe, okay, well, you know, I live in America, Right? I live in America, I got a pretty good job, I got it pretty good, everything's going pretty well for me. Um, what do I need to be saved from? Who put that scripture back up? Let me tell you something that Jesus saves from. He saves from that. An abiding day-to-day -day relationship with God will save us from our understanding being darkened and our hearts becoming hard towards the things of God. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to have a hard heart. I don't want to have my understanding darkened. Jesus saves from that stuff. Amen? Amen. Now, here's another question. So, hard, due to their hardness of heart, it says, how do you know if you have a hard heart? I'm glad you asked because Paul breaks it down in the next verse and he gives us three things or three marks of a hard heart goes on to say, they have become callous. I love that description. They become callous. In, in other words, they could care less about godly stuff. They've been desensitized to the things of God. They've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, to practice every kind of impurity. The three things. Sensuality, let's start with that one. Sensuality is essentially this, friends. It is a constant pursuit of self-gratification at the expense of those who care and love you the most. It is selfishness on steroids. You live by whatever pleases you. You feed your desires and your selfish nature more than you please the Spirit of God. That's essentially what sensuality is. And friends, I used to live that way all the time. And I'm just here to tell you that everybody that lives that way leaves a wake of destruction behind them. I know I did. And I hurt the people that were closest to me the most. People that I absolutely loved. And the reality is, is that my heart was so hard and I was so callous and so far from the things of God that I... And, this is the truth. I didn't even care. I didn't care whatsoever. You know, there's scripture that talks about, I will take that hard heart and I'll turn it into a heart of flesh, a soft heart. If you let God do it, he can do that for you. If you let God become so callous and so hard-hearted towards the things of God that you're just practicing self-gratification any way that you possibly can. The second thing that Paul points out is this. He says greedy, greedy, greediness. Okay, so we become greediness, and this is, listen, what is greediness? All greediness is is the constant, perpetual uh, a search for more. There's got to be more. I, you know, I just need more. I need more. I need more cowbell. I need more this. I need more that, right? Some of you caught that, right? Come on, everybody. I need more cowbell. Where's my Will Ferrell fans? You guys are sinners. <laughs> Kidding. I love Will Ferrell. Uh, Elf is one of the greatest movies of all time, by the way. I need more. I just need more. I just need more. And let me tell you something else. It is amazing how early greediness enters into our souls. Let me tell you about my nine-year-old son, Brendan. 
he just had his ninth birthday two days before this past Christmas. And we listen, because we're good parents, we listen to what our son wants all the way leading up to his birthday. I mean, this, this guy gets completely lavished beyond imagination with gift after gift after gift, everything he wants plus more. I mean, this, this kid gets it all, right? And we want to bless our kids. Amen? You're going to do the same thing for yours. And our, his grandparents want to bless. I mean, he just gets all sorts of stuff. So he, you know, leading up to it, we, we decide that, uh, you know, he, he wanted um, the Star Wars. He's got an Xbox 360 and a Wii, okay? Why, I don't know. We should probably auction off the Wii because it's inferior to the Xbox 360, right? So he's got the Xbox 360 and the Star Wars um, play sets have come out for that the Lego Star Wars stuff. So we decide to get him a Lego Star Wars play set, get him all these characters. And of course, they got to sell the characters on the side, right? So you got to buy those for like 15 bucks extra a piece. It's, man, they ding you, right? So we get him all this stuff, bless him with it during his birthday and Christmas. He opens them all up and all he can do for the next two to three days is what? I mean, you spend the next two to three days when, when you get those things, what? You're going to beat that game, aren't you? You're going to play it till you beat it. I don't care if you're up for 24 hours. That's what he was doing. And here's what happened. He's so grateful. By the way, the opposite of greediness is gratefulness. He's so grateful when he opens them up the joy on his face gives us joy, and then he takes this stuff, he starts playing it, beats it. Three days later, I kid you not, he's coming to us, and kids are the best salesmen in the world, aren't they? He comes to us and he says, can I, can I just go get the other playset? You know, he only had one of the Star Wars playsets, and there's like, I don't know how many. And he says, I want to get another one, Mom and Dad, and I want this and that. And so I ended up taking him to the store. We got him another, like some other characters. You know, he had to have Darth Vader, Chewbacca, this and that. I got to have Darth Maul, Dad. I get, okay, Darth Maul's a demon, dude. Why do you, you know, I didn't go there. I'm not that kind of a Christian, Okay. And so I go get him this stuff, right? We come back home, and he's so excited. Plays it, beats it. Then he comes back, and he says, Dad, I beat this game. I, I, I want the Lego Marvel Spider-Man. And I said, okay, son, it's time to have a talk. <laughs> Sat him down upstairs on the couch, and I came over to him, and I said, son, here's the reality. We got you all of this amazing stuff, and, and you're starting to get a little bit greedy here, okay? Your, your desire for more is starting to bother me a little bit. And I said, do you understand? He's nine, right? And he's, you know, he's squirrel, squirrel. I mean, looking at it's like, focus, focus, you know? And do you understand what I'm telling you? Yeah, yeah, I do. I said, no, 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 listen to me. This is, this, is, this is how God operates as well. And this is what I told him. I said, listen, your mother and I absolutely love when you're grateful and content with the things that we got for you. And listen to me, if, if you're just content with what you've got, you may not even have to ask for more. We may just give you more because you're so grateful for what you have. Come on, somebody. It works like this in the kingdom. <laughs> okay? And, and so I said, do you understand? Yeah. Yeah, Dad, I understand, but I still want the game. I said, hold on a second. No, no, no. I'm saying, like, be content. And, I, and then I said, son, there's a scripture that says godliness with contentment is great gain. And I broke it down in nine-year-old terminology for him. You know, I didn't say it like that. I said, God really likes it when you're just happy with what you got. Do you get it? That makes me happy, too. Do you understand? Yeah. Yeah, Dad, but I still really want Spider-Man. I was like, you're not getting this, right? So I said, all right. And, and, and then he's, he's whining and complaining some more. So here's what I had him do. I had him sit down in our kitchen. I said, that's it, boy. He came downstairs and said something about it. I said, sit down right now. I said, open up that notebook, get a pen. And I want you to write down as many things as you can think of right now that you are grateful for right now. Do it right now. You're not eating. You're not doing anything until you get this done. <laughs> Sit down. Do you understand? Okay. You know, and he goes, uh, right? So I've got a list of 20 things here that my son wrote down, and you're going to see that his priorities are jacked up, okay? <laughs> and this, this is what he said. Number one, Skylanders. Number two, iPod. 
Number three, Disney Infinity. Number four, Street Fighter. Number five, clothes. Five, six, Minecraft. Seven, food. Eight, Xbox. Nine, this house. Ten, life. I <laughs> like life is good. Amen, somebody. Eleven, family. Eleven. It gets worse. My sister Riley, 12. 13, church. 14, Bodie, his brother. 15, God. 16, Jesus. 17, mom. Not the Holy Spirit. I'm like, I'm gonna have to have a talk with him, right? There's another person in the Trinity, son. Do we have to go? Okay, 17, mom, and you made it before me, right? 18, dad. 19, Bubba. Bubba is his grandma in Serbian because my wife is part Serbian, which is awesome. And so 20, Banka. (laughs) You guys don't know what that is. I'm not telling you. All right, so I'm kidding. It's, uh, it's, It's Grandpa Miracle. Grandpa Miracle, my wife's maiden name is Miracle, and, and when my son was just a, a wee little man, he uh, couldn't say Grandpa, so he made up a name and said Banka, and it stuck, and so now it's Banka to everybody, and so anyway, you can see he's, uh, his priorities are jacked up, but listen, <laughs> the moral of the story is, is that greediness starts real early in us, friends. Greediness starts real, real early in us, so... After he did this and read through them, I was so happy and proud of my son that I decided to tell him on the way back from one of the baseball practices, I coach his little league baseball team, and, and on the way back from one of the practices, we're pulling down into our neighborhood, and he's sitting in the back, and I said, hey, Brendan, I'm proud of you. I'll tell you what, this weekend, it was like Wednesday, this weekend, I'll get you one of those games, all right? And he goes, ugh. I was like, oh, no, you didn't, because he wanted to get it, like, right now and wouldn't wait, and I looked back, and I said, now you're getting nothing because you're ungrateful. I'm talking to some people tonight, aren't I? How many things have we delayed because we've been ungrateful? My goodness. It says, greedy. Then he moves on to practice every kind of impurity. And that simply means, friends, listen up, that means that we have become obsessive and reckless in our sexual behaviors. Self-explanatory. You have a Holy Spirit. How horrible would it be if I just ended service like right now? Let's, let's pray. <laughs> you guys would be like, I'm never coming back there. I'm not inviting anyone ever. Oh... <laughs> uh, but we're going to transition into something real good. You ready for it? How many, how many times have, have we ran into a butt? Not that kind of a butt. Listen, in Scripture, I've been saying it almost every week, the butt gods, the butts. I know a guy, his name's Walter Bond. He's a motivational speaker, and I've, got to, I've met him a couple times, and he wrote a book, All Butts Stink, and I want to say, no, they don't, because I love the butts in Scripture. They're all good, but, but, but that is not the way that you learn Christ, assuming, and I thought assuming makes, you know, out of who and who. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in him. It's so interesting that Paul says this. He says, hold on a second. But I'm assuming something here, that you all met the same Jesus that I met. I'm making an assumption here, friends, church at Ephesus, church at Access, church of the world. I'm making an assumption that you know Jesus, not that you know about Jesus. I'm assuming that you have a relationship, not a religion. Jesus didn't die to be your religion. He died to be your savior, right? 
I'm assuming that you met the same guy who is alive and has, has power with him, enough power to literally knock me off my donkey, Paul. Come on. And then he blinded by the light. You remember that song? He blinds Paul. The same Jesus that he encounters, he's saying, I'm assuming that you know that Jesus, that when he knocked me off my donkey, I thought I had purpose. And my purpose and plan was to completely destroy the church of God, to to go out and find every follower of Jesus Christ, get them into prison and hang them, to to kill them all and thwart the entire movement. That was his purpose. Gets knocked off his donkey, gets blinded, and Jesus says, nope, you're on the wrong team. You're going to play quarterback on my team right now. Do you got that? And he says, okay. And guess what? His purpose, his plan, his destiny completely changed. And he's saying, I'm assuming that you know the same Jesus that I know. Do you hear me? This is exactly what Paul's talking about. And, and let me tell you something else. When he got knocked off his donkey and, and Jesus got a hold of his life, He didn't just change Paul's mind. He changed Paul's citizenship. Do you understand that when you say yes to Jesus, you're no longer a citizen of this world? You may be an American citizen, but you are now a citizen of another realm. There's there's another scripture where Jesus says, he gets asked, are you a king? He says, yes, this is right what you're saying, but my kingdom is not of this world. Listen, our king is of another realm, and when you say yes to Jesus, you get transplanted from one kingdom into another, into his. And he's saying, I'm assuming, friends, I'm just making an assumption here that you know that Jesus, that you know him, not that you know about him. How many of you know there's a difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone? Come on. That's not the way you learn Christ. As Christians, the same is true for us. Our minds just don't get changed. Our citizenship changes. We have gone from death to life. Don't forget that. We've gone from death to life in Jesus. And Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and life to the full. Do you hear me? Did you hear my burp that came out? That's the second time that's happened on this stage. The first one was Big Scott. Y'all heard that and didn't laugh at me? What's wrong with you? It's okay to laugh. Listen, laughing churches are healthy. Come on, somebody. Amen? It's okay to laugh. All right. So what was I saying? (laughs) Jesus saves from that. No. (laughs) It's the coffee. Or the shake that I ate right before I came up here. (laughs) Jesus help. We've gone from death to life, friends. You want to know what the, the, the best illustration of that really is in the Bible? John chapter 11, the story of Lazarus. Here's what happens. This guy Lazarus dies and Jesus is friends with him. Jesus is friends with Mary and Martha, his sisters. He dies, he's dead for four days, his, his body's already rotting away, he stinks, it's, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a you know, smelly mess outside of the tomb because his body is decomposing and, and, and Jesus knew about it and you know, it was, it's so strange because it's like he's not in a hurry to get there. And then he shows up a few days late and one of the sisters comes up to him and says, Lord, what the heck, where you been? If you were here, this wouldn't have happened. And he says, don't worry, your brother will rise again. She's like, oh yeah, I know, like at the resurrection of the dead. And he's like, no, 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 just believe. Do you believe I can do anything? She's like, yes, Lord, I believe that. So he comes over to the tomb. He says a prayer in front of everyone. And then he says this in verse 43. When he had said this, the prayer Jesus called in a loud voice and says, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let them go. Point number two is this, take off your grave clothes. 
Take off your grave clothes. Friends, we will never fully understand or pursue or even enter in the purposes and the plans and the destiny that God has on our lives unless we do this. Now listen to what Paul says next. This is exactly what Paul is saying in verse 22. You gotta catch this. Put off your old self. To put off literally means to remove the old clothing. Remove your grave clothes. The old you needs to be removed, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Verse 23, here we go. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Isn't it interesting that we started out by talking about the futility of our minds and we end with being renewed in the spirit of our minds? He's saying, take those grave clothes off. There's been a death. You went from death to life. And now it's time for you to shed off some of that old clothing that keeps you tethered to everything in the past that God is calling you to leave behind so that he can take you into your future plans and destiny that he has for your life. But why is it? Because the human condition is so strange. The human condition is so strange, friends. Let's just be honest with one another tonight because it is church. This is church, amen? Who is the church? You are. You are. But why is it that we all know, that we all know Jesus is calling us to leave some of that stuff behind and he's calling us to a new thing, to become the new creatures and creations that we are in him, yet we struggle so badly with letting that stuff go. There's a, there's a really haunting proverb, and, and Peter actually recites this in, in his letter that he writes in, 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 the, in the Bible as well, and it says this. It's Proverbs 26, 11. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. Oh, there's just some scriptures that pierce. Do you know what I'm saying? As a dog returns to the vomit it just puked out. You've seen dogs do this. It's disgusting. And they go back to it and they lick it back up. How in the world does like that look enticing anymore if we're dead and alive to God? Yet we struggle with this all the time, friends. You know, there, there's, a, uh, there's a piece of paper, and, and, and I even used my uh, member of the clergy card. I'm a member of the clergy. Sounds so sophisticated. 2016, to certify that Kurt Ains is affiliated as a ministerial member in good standing of Resurrection Life Full Gospel Church and is recognized as being licensed as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Signed by Bernard Blaukamp. I am a licensed minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, yet sometimes things that I used to do, sometimes, somehow, some way, vomit the old stuff seems to look enticing to me yet. Why is that? We've been talking about it. There's only two forces at work in your life. Your sinful nature with its passions and desires, which by the way, that part of us never, never gets saved. And then the Holy Spirit in us that is calling us to leave all of those things behind. But why is it? that we know Jesus is calling us to more. Jesus has more for us than we could ever possibly imagine, yet we get so tripped up and caught up in doing things that we know that we shouldn't be doing. Remember the story I, I, I told you earlier about my coach calling me out, called me out on the carpet, said, son, you're a leader and you need to leave those things behind and you need, you need to become the leader that I see in you. Be 
who you really are. That's what he was saying. Be who you really are. Be the man that you know you can be and the man that you know you're called to be. And I told you earlier that I was faced with a decision. I could go one of two paths. I could step into that or I could take the same path that I had been taking over and over and over. And I am ashamed to stand up here and tell you, but you know my story. I did not step into becoming the man that he saw in me and he tried to call me out on the carpet that day and said, there's more. Become that man. That's who you really are. And I didn't do it. I used all of my influence, all of my leadership to do all sorts of horrendous, awful, unbelievable things that I am so ashamed of that hurt so many people and ultimately led to me getting arrested in 2009. It destroyed my life because I had a a decision in that moment and I could have taken one of two paths and I took the wrong one and I went all, I just kept going back to the vomit, kept going back to the vomit. And honestly, friends, I wanted to get better. I wanted to, when I was sober and clear-minded, I wanted to become this amazing man who others could look at and say, you know what, I'll follow that guy. I can't tell you how many thousands of times I told my wife all the way through our relationship, I want to, I don't want to drink anymore. I don't want to drink. I don't want to do these. I don't want to party all night. I, I want to be a good father. Like I know that I can be, but Even though I wanted all those things, I kept going back. I kept going back and it led to destruction. And friends, listen, I was, I was at a, at a lunch just yesterday at Penn station because it's delicious with a man that I respect and he's, he's much older than I am. Well, he's not much older. But he's older than I am, and he's got kids that are almost 30. And one of his sons is struggling with alcoholism. Struggling with alcoholism. And I always ask him about his son. I say, how's he doing? How's he doing? Give me an update. And he says, you know, I'm just so proud of him, but he's had a couple relapses, you know, uh, over the last six months. And, you know, and he just came to me the other day and he says, Dad, I don't understand why God just won't take this from me. And I listened. And he says, but I'm so proud of him because he's making strides the right way and he's having some relapses. Don't you forget that we talked about the cure is in you. The cure's in you. And are there going to be some relapses? Yes, keep getting back up and keep following Jesus. But I said to him, I said, can I just say something, uh, you know, to to that subject? God is waiting for us to choose. It is finished on his end of things. All of it's finished and all of it's available, but there are times when God is actually asking us to step up, to take a stand and stand out and start making the right choices and taking the right path that will lead us into our destiny and not take us into destruction. And he co-labors with God in that. Can God sovereignly take away certain things? Oh yeah, I I haven't desired cocaine one time since I said yes to Jesus Christ, not once. Can he do that for certain people? Yeah, sometimes he does that. Listen, though, hear me. Sometimes it doesn't happen that way. And that's okay, too. We've been talking about sometimes it's a process, man, and sometimes that process is painful, and sometimes you fall down. But listen to me, the people who make it to the end of this lifetime, and Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servants, aren't the one who don't screw up. They're not the ones who don't fall down. They're the ones who get back up and say, Jesus, here I am. Search my heart, O Lord. Look deep within my soul. Take your scalpel out and perform surgery on me so that I can be more like you. Those are the ones that make it to the finish line of their destiny. And along the way, listen, Jesus will change you. Listen, we don't change so that we can have a relationship with Jesus. We have a relationship with Jesus and then we change. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying? This leads me all the way to my final point and this is the title of my message tonight and it is this. God is asking all of us to please stand up 
and stand out for him. God's asking all of us to stand up and to stand out for him. How do we do that? How do we, how do we not return to the, to the, to the vomit, to the, to the old way of doing things in the futility of our minds? How do we steer clear of our understanding being dark? And how do we steer clear of our hearts becoming hard towards the things of God to where we can't even understand or see what God is trying to do in our lives? Our perspective gets jacked up. How do we steer clear of all of that? Verse 23, he says, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. How does that happen, friends? Listen, on Monday, I met with my best friend. His name's Matt Schmucker. I meet with him once a week. I talk with him multiple times a week. And here's what happens every time that we sit down. We sit down and all of our attention, all of our focus, all of our talk for two to three hours sometimes is all about God. It's all about what is God doing in your life. We, we come you know, with challenge, we dream God-sized dreams together. We talk about what God is doing, not what God is not doing. We focus on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And as we do this, all I know is I leave those meetings and somehow, some way, we talk about scriptures that challenge us, that, that maybe we would like to not have in the Bible, but what does this mean to you? What does this mean to you? And we bounce things off of each other and we take it to God and we just focus on him. And by the time we leave, it's like all of a sudden, like the old clothing, like another piece just fell off. You know what I'm saying? You leave those things. You come to church. You come on Thursday nights, and there is something good about church attendance, amen? It is this, that you feel a little bit closer to God because you hear the word of God preached, and you can become a little bit more like Jesus when you leave this place, and another piece of that old clothing comes off. Take off the grave clothes. How do you do it? Be renewed by, in the spirit of your minds. Do not be conform to this world, the old you, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the new you. It's by reading the word of God. And by the way, after this series is over, I'm going to do an entire series because I promised you guys months ago that I was going to do something about a question I asked. I said, I asked this entire group, I said, how many of you, because we had somebody stand up on stage and say, you just got to be in the Word of God every day, and you hear that at church all the time, right? Right? And, and, and for me, it's like, well, how, how many of us have ever even been taught why the Word of God is so important? How many of us have actually been taught, like, how to read the Bible? And I asked the question, and about a half dozen people raised their hands, and I told you that I'm going to do something about it. And I'm going to do something about it as soon as we're done with this series. We're going to go through the Word of God, why it's important, how it changes our lives, how we read it. And by the way, you don't just read the Bible. You let the Bible read you. How's the Bible reading you tonight? How's the Word of God reading you tonight? That's why we come here, to let Jesus read us so that we can say, okay, Lord, I need you to take that. Holy Spirit, I give that to you. Take it from me that I may never return to that vomit. Take off my grave clothes, help me. But here's the interesting thing. Remember I said it's a choice? Jesus' command, he commands you take off the grave clothes. He didn't say come here and let me take them off for you. Jesus did everything. It's already done. He says you take off your grave clothes. And I'm going to finish with this because we're all on the right track. I want you to know we are on the right track and there is no turning back. Amen. I'm going to finish on some scripture and then I'm going to pray and we're going to get out of here and go to Applebee's or something. Here we go. Philippians 3, this is Paul talking about himself. I love it. He says, yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand. Everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant, dog dung, vomit. 
I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. I gave up all that inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally, experience his resurrection power, be a partner in his suffering and go all the way with him till death to it, you know, death itself. Till death do you part is what you say when you get married. If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. I'm not saying that I have all this together. Somebody say amen. Amen. I'm not saying that I got all this together, that I have made it, that I've arrived at my destination, but I am well on my way reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running. I'm not turning back. So let's keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything. (laughs) I love this. For those of us who want everything God has for us. Come on, church. If any of you have something else in mind tonight, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. Come on, somebody, give it up. That's good. Is that a good word? Man, I love that. Oh, my gosh. Can I pray? I don't care what you say, I'm going to pray. Because <laughs> I got a microphone and you don't. <laughs> Jesus, thank you that it is finished. Jesus, I thank you for everybody in this room. God, you know exactly where every single one of us is at. Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that some people here tonight would choose to take off their grave clothes, God, that they would step into everything that you have planned for them. God, that the old would be done away with tonight through a decision that they make with you, God. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Take away and remove every single obstacle that exists between us and you. Jesus, we want to be more like you. Holy Spirit, do the work. We trust you. Our trust is not in fixing ourselves, in in trying to do something to to better ourselves. This is not a self-improvement plan. This is a God improvement plan. This is your plan. So let it be done in us, God. Keep us from, and and, and thank you for saving us from darkening our understanding, for, for saving us from our hearts becoming callous and hard towards you, God. Thank you that now in Jesus Christ, because of you, Jesus, we are dead to sin and we are alive to God. In Jesus' name, we all together said, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you'd like to join us live, we meet every Thursday night at 7 p.m. in the ground floor at Res Life in Granville, Michigan. Or you can watch us online at reslife.org slash live. You can also keep in touch with the Access Ministry on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at AccessRLC.